Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. Scott is still on his luxurious month-long vacation, so I'm joined by the talented Baratunde Thurston, who was on the show Monday, and I'm thrilled that he's back again today. Baratunde is a writer, activist, comedian, host of the new podcast, How to Citizen, with Baratunde launching this week. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back, Kara. It's yeah, so you were great. nice to work with you. I had a lot of fun. Looking forward yeah. to doing it again. Um, and, you know, Scott doesn't want to come back. You know, we could work something out. We could just work something out. I know. Out. You know something? I'm feeling <laughs> like a real chemistry here that I don't have with Scott, which is, you know, you're not offensive. You're not offensive. <laughs> is, is that the bar you have for chemistry? <laughs> well, you know, I don't know what to say. Um, he's actually a little bit nervous. He's, he, I think he's a little bit more most nervous of all the many great guest hosts I've had. I think he's like, he's pretty good. He's pretty well, good. The, here, you know here's I mean? the he's, thing uh, about Scott, <laughs> given his background, he, he will appreciate yeah. Uh, having more diversity in the marketplace, more competition oh, right. to hone his <laughs> skills so he comes back better, faster, stronger. Yeah, yeah. he's a walking font of yeah, diversity. None, none of us is, is the big dog. So No, know. nothing, I guess. I spoke. Anyway, uh, I'll be happy to have him back, but I see him every week in this Pivot Live. We did an interview with Google CEO, uh, Alphabet CEO, uh, Sundar Pichai, and then Tim Wu, who's the Columbia University professor on antitrust. It was really interesting. Um, but let's talk about the topics this week. There's so much going on. RNC recap. I mean, I what Please. Um, I mean, yeah. So I turned it off last night. I was like, I can't deal it was, with this. It was painful. I think um, I, I hope that Kimberly Guilfoyle takes advantage of the other great feature of the state of California, mm-hmm. which is legal access to marijuana. Uh, she uh, yeah. just needs to bring it down several notches, yeah. go on a retreat, do some deep breathing, some meditation. Yeah. And like breathe She's into this anger that's going on. Yeah. Well, you know, I met her when she was married to Gavin Newsom, who is the governor yeah. of California, who's having a really hard that time this week, right now. By the way, oh yeah, yeah, it was. She was calmer, but she was intense then. Yeah. She was really quite intense then. But it's really taken. It was that was the weirdest speech, and I, you know, I don't like to focus on. What's really interesting is you don't like to focus on gender, but the women in particular have seemed particularly like. Um, I don't know. It's just. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's really. It's really quite. Um, unusual and and but the whole group of them there's sort of like there's this sort of tone throughout it. it's very hunger games the, the music and everything else is very like and now we will bring out the 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 this and the, the aggressive shows of diversity i don't know how else to put it's, it well like, so he, here's how here's how i see it i thought about uh, this um in a fever dream 
Uh, so okay. bear with me. But I, I remember as a kid, we always had animals in the house. We had dogs and cats. Mm-hmm. And those animals would sometimes get sick. And they would poop or vomit on the floor. And we'd use newspaper mm-hmm. to cover it up. Right. And the RNC this week felt like the newspaper that we used to cover up the excrement yeah. left by these animals. Yeah. And and there's some there's some true information yeah. in those newspapers. Right. You can learn something from it. It's not all lies, mm-hmm. but the larger picture is your room is covered in excrement. Right, right. And I think there's been a distraction this week when people say things like law and order, where they feel free to just criticize entire swaths of the country that live in cities. And we right. don't do that, right? We're not allowed to right. do that in reverse. And, and instead, we're not going to acknowledge the kidnapping of children, the selling out of mm-hmm. our troops overseas to Vladimir Putin. And so we're going to wrap ourselves in a flag, but it's uh, covered in excrement. Uh-huh. And I think we're just, we're, they they allowed uh, themselves to focus on the small bits of truth in a really disgusting scene that they've what, allowed do, to uh, let me all ask us you the harder question. Nasty. I mean, it's, it's, is it effective? Like, yeah. like, it, like they, they, the, the, the amount of lying was really quite astonishing. Just bold. It, it was, was bold. a choice. It was, it was bold. An there should be a, an Emmy for that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's effective. We'll find out in November if it's effective. I suspect um, that it works for people who are already yeah. there, uh, who are already with them. I, I want that to be true. And I know that self-identified Republicans mm-hmm. as a group mm-hmm. are shrinking relative to other you know, independent and Democratic Party affiliation. So I hope we were looking into a small cult rather than a truly effective well, it's, sales Well, it's interesting pitch. the uses. And, and it's very, um, it's very uh, autocratic in a way that that is Amer- an American autocracy. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? It was really, it was a really, yeah. You know, it's got it. It was sort of stuck in the eighties. I thought the Melania Trump, in, uh, whatever it was, was speech was really particularly disturbing with the with the militaristic outfit. I know she she's very careful about it. I don't like to focus on women's clothes, but she's very mm-hmm. particular about what she picks, what she wears. And it, they're, she was messaging a lot through her clothes. And then the walk down the colonnade, and I realized they took down those um, trees so she could do a catwalk down it. Like, you know what I mean? Like the the visual, it was for the yeah. visual. And and I was like, huh. And in some ways I was like, wow, that's a, that's a commitment. You know what I mean? At the same time, it was horrifying. Well, all they have is the personality. You know, if right. you think about past conventions, they're platforms for up and coming candidates yeah. to make their pitch. Right. There was one, I think, Republican senator contested mm-hmm. on stage this week, Joni Ernst. Everybody else... Right. They decided it was to their advantage to not be there. Yeah. And so all you're left with is the Trump kids mm-hmm. and, and people who owe this man favors. Like, yes, Donald Trump did a great thing for Kaylee mm-hmm. McEnany and looked after her pre-existing condition, but that pales in comparison to trying to strip the health insurance from millions well, of people who might have case, pre-existing conditions like, by canceling Obama. It was like he yeah. called me. I'm like, that's what people do. Your boss does when you have breath. Yeah. And so I, so I was like, he 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 actually called me, and I was like, um, low bar, low bar <laughs> on the cancer thing. <laughs> he, and I pays you to lie for him. It, it was it was fascinating. <laughs> that was he he was like, yeah. or he was surprisingly nice. You know what I mean? Unlike it reminds me of when we interviewed Rupert Murdoch at co at one of our All Things mm. D's and. I said this to myself and then I had to catch myself. I was like, he was, he was quite, someone was like, he was kind of avuncular, you know? And I was like, 
don't be fooled. Like I'm, I, he was, he was, he's really charming and pleasant in person. And I was like, it doesn't, what he does is what's more important. And the, the avuncular niceness was sort of yeah. like, it was distracting from what the real thing. And let me just ask you, you know, one of the things my mom, who's a big Fox news watcher, as everybody knows, um, she was immediately drawn to um, Tim Scott. Which yeah. I was sort of, he's like, he's okay. He's very reasonable. He's this and that. And I was like, wow, that worked. You know what I mean? It was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like the mixing in of reasonable seeming Republicans with the others was and, a really fascinating trick. And and my fiance pointed out, you know, they seemed very specifically savvy about mm-hmm. painting the picture of people from Wisconsin and some of these swing mm-hmm. areas. The The only places that will matter given the way we sort of do democracy in America. So the flood of information that we talked about in the previous episode works because we're overwhelmed. And so it's just the most recent data is the relevant yeah. one. And I think the the upside to that, for clarity at least, not for the health of our democracy, is we will forget this entire week yeah. in a week. Yeah, I agree. And that whatever front this dude has put on he will undermine on Twitter in the next week. That's what I was thinking. Five, four, yeah. and three, speaking of which, two. there's other news. There's the the the, the hurricane, which looks yeah. like it's not as serious as they thought it would be. But and then the NBA teams halting their season in protest of police brutality and the Jacob Blake yeah. shooting. I think that's going to be what people will. I hate to say it, really care about like this kind of thing. Is they're not getting their basketball. They're not getting. You know, this is where. And then his reaction to it, which I think will be, probably be bad. There, there's also a, such there's a mean spirited and um, othering that happened at the RNC that I want to take a second to reflect mm-hmm. on, which is it's it's very popular to just dump on cities mm-hmm. and Mops. blame it Mops. on the Democrats uh-huh. and say it's needles and crime and drugs and riots mm-hmm. and Looting. that's objectively not true. But I think you know if we did this in reverse. And said, well, let's do a sorting function on uh, Republican leadership and COVID and count the deaths. If we did this in reverse and talked about opioid addiction or unemployment or the net drain Mm -hmm. on the federal coffers from some of the poorer states and counties in our country, they're led by a certain party with a certain uh, political ideology. The Democrats did not do that during their convention. They featured rural people and talked a lot about Jesus and tried to mm-hmm. open the door. And the Republicans expressed disrespect and contempt yeah, yeah. for more than half the country, you know, from a, from many different perspectives. And so it was a small convention made for a small group of extremists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was interesting. The, this idea of rioting. You know, someone today, I was engaged, someone, I think it was probably a Russian bot, <laughs> but um, it, they were like, oh, you know, they're not, nobody's writing about the crimes, uh, you know, the crimes going up in New York. And I literally just Googled news, cry, yeah. you know, murder New York. And it, there was like hundreds of articles. And I go, it's called Google. <laughs> it's, of course it was covered, you imbecile. <laughs> like it, it was just, it was, they was like crickets. I'm like, crickets? What Does are you it bring you some level of, of joy to in Engage with questionably no, human because, avatars. No, I, it's a disease. Do you need I to do this? Is this? I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, speaking of things that actually are working in a weird way and not a good way, is we're going to get on to big stories. TikTok CEO Kevin Mayer has unexpectedly stepped down from the uh, role at the company that he took four months ago. Uh, In a memo to employees, Mayer said the changes on the app and pressures from the Trump administration prompted him 
to leave. Mayer had said a big draw of the company was its global nature. He was a trusted executive at Disney prior to joining TikTok, was in line to one of the CEO possible choices. He did not get that job, but he was right at the top of Disney. Earlier this week, TikTok sued the federal government for Trump's executive order and banning the app in the U.S. So, you know, this is interesting. So, uh, you know, we interviewed uh, Vanessa Pappas, who is a former Google executive who's running the U.S., who's now taken over for him. Um, what, what is this working? Is this idea of sort of ruining TikTok, which I think Mark Zuckerberg, it's his favorite thing to have happen. Um, is it working? This is something where Zuckerberg and the president are, are aligned. And I just want to give mm-hmm. kudos to Sarah Cooper. Clearly, she's gotten through. And this is all an attempt to shut down her very <laughs> effective mockery <laughs> of our president on that platform. Wow. We're going to talk about going for censorship. Um I, I think I'm from I'm on the outside of this. I don't know a ton of TikTok insiders. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big TikToker myself, but it looks to me like this man stepping down makes sense. He didn't sign up for mm-hmm. this. And it's a flash of both realistic threats to his business and his power, mm-hmm. and also a bit of fear that this pseudo-authoritarian way of going about it, he's kind of read the coverage. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this isn't going to end well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... As much as there is legitimacy to challenging and questioning how Chinese companies and the Chinese government enter various markets and don't allow the reverse, I think this just looks like intimidation and very political mm-hmm. in how it was pulled off. Yeah. And there's a counter lawsuit. But I think for for this person who probably has other executive and high compensating options out there, it's a big headache. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's very, my guess. You know, he was going to be a billionaire. They were going to take this company public. Um, yeah. And this was his big shot to run like a very big company. And so, uh, you know, I, it's obviously going to be sold. The, the rush sale is ridiculous. I, that's why the lawsuit is here. So it delays everything that Trump has been trying to do, which is rush a deal, which is kind of ridiculous on so many levels. Because it's a very... Di- oh, that's funny. It was a turn of phrase. I thought you said Russia deal. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a China deal. Uh, sorry. Um, yeah. Russia's in there always. Um, but they... Uh, <laughs> This deal is a very, you know, I've talked to a lot of security people in doing this. It's very difficult to to shift the platform. Even a company like Microsoft, uh, who is one of the lead uh, possible purchasers for this. Right. And didn't really want to buy it at first. They wanted to make an investment in it. Um, and then the, presuming it was going to go public, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, sort of similar to the way um, Facebook did, because Microsoft had a, took a big investment very soon after went public, uh, which is, I think, what Kevin Mayer was hoping for. Um, you know, it, it, slowing this whole thing down till after the election, I think, is the goal. And then presumably uh, Trump will back off on the Chinese stuff. You know, a lot of it, this whole idea of China, which was another thing at the convention, was that this was a China virus. They're trying mm-hmm. to get us the threats of China. Uh, that's Peter Navarro, who is, the, I think, one of the most particularly a trade representative. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> he's, you know, he's a chucklehead really. And, and inaccurate almost completely on lots of stuff, but he seems to have the ear of the president and um, you know, it just keeps continuing this. And so it's basically wrecked a business that had so much promise and we'll see how it affects the company itself, but it can't help but do that. Um, and that's, I think the goal here. And I think delaying it and slowing it down is the smart move. Is, is there people. something I mean, when you talk to more CEOs than I do, and mm-hmm. is does the fear and concern about an unstable business environment extend beyond uh, a Chinese-owned tech company? Does it make them all nervous that a weaponized U.S. regulatory environment by a mercurial president could be coming mm-hmm. for them next? 
Well, no, because, you know, he started off by doing all those tweets. Like he just didn't want a good year. And they, they at first they were very nervous. Yeah. And now they're like, eh. You know what I mean? It didn't really have an effect. In this case, he's got a. If you're owned by China, yes, you have a the president has enormous uh, power around national right. security. If he declares national security, most of these things are not that. So he can't. He doesn't have most of his things, like his executive order on two thirty and some other things. They're just toothless. They're they're you know a lot of like I'm going to build the wall and then he just does. Does it? it right? then, uh, or, the other thing I want to know is does anybody have a heads up on the tweets so that they can make money off of them? Because he does, yes, I mean, that's, in short that's term, being move the market. And that's... He, sort of. It's not moving. As, it did at the beginning of his administration. Everyone's on to him, essentially. Mm. It's, these are tricks that they use. Like the same, He does the same thing over and over again. And so I think one one person was who I talked to was worried about what if he, if he wins the autocratic nature, will he start to go after, sort of reward people that he is close with and hurt people that are, are sort of anti-Trump. And a good example here is, is Oracle suddenly right. entering the picture, the least likely company to be here. I don't care what they say. They're incompetent to the task um, to do this. And they're a stalking horse, obviously, and they've been brought in by some of the... Um, some of the other owners, which are U.S. venture firms, two of which are close to the Trump administration, um, and uh, or people who work there uh, are particularly close, and so it's, it, they've been brought in as a pal of Trump's to make it make the price go up and possibly force Microsoft into giving a vig to the U.S. government, which is just unprecedented. Um, and and I think that's what it is. And then you, you the person you focus in on, obviously, is Jeff Bezos, mm -hmm. who is so he's lost a, he's lost it he's in court about it, the Defense Department uh, award uh, that was very right, which large. Microsoft, and that's right? a really important yeah. business for Amazon to go into. You know, they've got it. They have to get bigger because they're so big. They're to government contracting the way Elon Musk has, the way a lot of these companies have Microsoft. And so it's really, um, it's a real fine line because he can hurt them in things like that. And that's, you know, Jeff's lucky yeah. because he's got a business everybody loves. So I'm at him easily. But the postal service is one way to do it. Um, there's all kinds of ways. It just doesn't work very well. You know, it's real hard to take down. And, and if I had was a betting person, I'd bet on Jeff Bezos and not Donald Trump. Jeff Bezos follows through with things. He's 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 a vicious. So long as it remains one man, as opposed to an entire infrastructure mm -hmm. of media and politics. Uh, if you look at you can tear down the reputation and reduce trust in institutions broadly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of what the attempt with the president and the postal service is. Let's reduce confidence in this thing that everybody loves. And so if he can point that at particular businesses um, over time consistently and he stays in power, then Maybe. I think there might be a greater risk of, oh, I guess I'm not supposed to trust this thing because the president told me not to and Fox News told me not to. And this senator who seems like a really nice, mm -hmm. you know, bald-headed, articulate yeah. black guy told me not to, too, because yeah. he co-signed on it. He I seems nice. I think he's got, <laughs> I think he, fighting, picking a fight with Jeff Bezos is not one I would do. I mean, it's interesting because when they were, you know, when his his sex came out, you see how he hit back hard. He just said, yeah, here they are. You know what I mean? And so he's a very different, yeah. he's... Um, well, he's tough. I wouldn't cross yes. him. And I think, and he's highly competent as opposed to the president. And so it'll be interesting to see yeah. if he, he would be, Amazon would be the company. They're also uh, looking, investigating Google and not Facebook. I mean, FTC is investing in Facebook, but that's been uh, slow rolled, uh, the Facebook investigations. And they are have the most exposure in terms of emails and other proof that they've been trying to shut down competition. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. And I think in a Biden administration, mostly they will be hands off uh, for tech. So that, that, that would be their a Biden administration 
even though Facebook is advantage in this, it's probably better for everybody because they'll not do anything. I don't think a Biden administration would do nothing. I think there's too much pressure on the left yes, and the yeah. right to deregulate, to, I'm sorry, yeah. to regulate and break up these companies uh, to some degree. And he probably yeah. had a handshake deal with Elizabeth Warren, which is like, I'm mm-hmm. going to copy and paste some of your plans and get this done. Uh, but I, he won't be wildly, yeah. whimsically, interpersonally yes, savage yeah. about it. Uh, and there'll be a thing yeah. called a process. He's talked about hopefully. removing 230. Yeah. I don't think he knows, Biden knows what he's talking about. But certainly, Elizabeth Warren is head of the FTC, which is what my prediction was. All right, Baratunde, let's go on a quick break and come back to talk about Palantir and its IPO and a listener mail question. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. And we are back. Controversial data mining company Palantir filed to go public this week. A lot of companies did. A lot of tech companies did. Uh, Palantir works with governments and law enforcement to analyze and process their data and has had several contracts with the U.S. government, including with ICE. Uh, A reminder, Peter Thiel, one of the company's founders, is a Donald Trump campaign donor and supporter. In a letter to investors, CEO Alex Karp threw some serious shade at other Silicon Valley companies without naming names. He wrote, the engineering elite of Silicon Valley may know more about building software, but they do not know more about how society should be organized or what justice requires. Our company was founded in Silicon Valley, but we share fewer and fewer of technologies values and commitments. Is that a dog whistle? The company had a valuation of $20 billion expected to be the biggest IPO since Uber until Airbnb goes public, that is. Um, so, so here we are, speaking of that topic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hands up uh, for the yeah. S1 filings and just the, the potential to stir the pot with that. That is some very expensive uh, mm-hmm. grade A trolling going on there. And whether I agree with the statements or not, I just got to give credit. That yeah. was that was sharp. I like that. I like that use of a regulatory filing no, to throw shade at people. one's. You know, in the in the filing, <laughs> the letter adds the company won't be working with China. You know, it's just it's really it's really the, the politicization of politicization of this stuff is really you know and of an S one. It's just I just don't even get it. I just don't. I, I don't know what the point is. I don't know what the goal is. It, it's it's again it's a dog whistle to the Trump people. Um, yeah, I think that's they're they're yeah. seeking favor. Yeah. They're currying favor with the would-be autocrat and, and like mm-hmm. you said, signaling 
we're on your team. We stand with you. We co-sign on the things you do. And we're going to start calling people enemies without quite saying that word, but they're other, they're yeah. not What's one interesting of us. is sort of the idea of how much these companies need to work with the government. And they do because, you know, you look at the, the numbers for Google or Amazon or Microsoft or any of them or, or Apple even. Now, Apple does not work with the government. Uh, in fact, has been at cross purposes with the government many times. Um, but th- they need to move into government work. They really do because that's where the big money is. You know, Elon Musk just broke the defense contractors uh, stranglehold by getting a huge, uh, a huge uh, contract, uh, which I think he probably had a lot of pushback from defense contractors, I'm guessing, although he's been somewhat favorable to the Trump administration. It's not clear sometimes what he's doing. But, you know, this idea, you know... <laughs> <laughs> that is the under, understatement of the decade. It's not clear sometimes yeah, what Elon's cl- doing. <laughs> it's not clear. You, you never yeah. know what he could come out with at any time. But um, he's a complex person, I would say. Um, what this idea that you have to be this political when bef- and then you have to move in, especially when employees are such as Google, for example, had pushed the company away from this kind of stuff. Uh, Amazon, some Amazon, uh, Amazon's very deep into some of this stuff with recognition uh, and some other things. And all of them are very, and with ICE, uh, you know, Salesforce got dragged into that. W- when you're a company now, when you have these issues around ICE or uh, drones or whatever, or, or whatever it is, what do you do? What do you, how does it, what, how does it look? Do you have to signal on the other side where the people that won't spy on, you know, protesters or. I, I think it's worth a pause to understand like what Palantir is. Um, I didn't know until this week where the word came from. I did that. It's this yes, Lord it of the Rings of reference to the evil yeah. eye of Sauron's glow. So that's that's <laughs> troubling that you're going to take Sauron's yeah. tool and use it for what? Um, you know, these tech tools are supposed to be neutral, but you signaled from the beginning mm-hmm. that you're on the side of evil. Not too exciting. I think it is going to be increasingly important for leaders in these businesses to question the use yeah. of their tools. We're not in the Pollyanna and naive world of, oh, I'm just... I'm just trying to make mm-hmm. the world a better place. Right. I'm just going to, like, technology will fix it. It'll make education better because we right. gave a kid a laptop. Like, that's not how this works. So I, it's not entirely surprising that there's a politicization mm-hmm. of the S1 because tech has been politicized because it's being abused. And in policing, which is where Palantir works, in law enforcement, the idea of this body, which is already so unaccountable, and we see so dramatically this week with mm-hmm. Jacob Blake and what's happening in Kenosha, that they have the tools to type in a protester's name into their magic box and suck in all this data that they've been collecting, that deserves being questioned. We need FOIA requests and things like that. So if you're a a tech CEO and you recognize you sit on top of this immense power, you've got to wrestle with it. There's no easy answers. It's not like I do it, I don't do it. But you've got to wrestle and listen to the customers and listen to the people and listen to our constitution Uh, And listen to your employees as we figure out how we regulate and have some reasonable use of some of this stuff. But why go out on a limb on one side? Like, sitting in the middle, like, look, Jeff Bezos is, again, deep into recognition, very controversial. You know, it's a part of AWS. Because I think think our current environment has forced us to. It would not have been as Mm -hmm. controversial for a tech company to work with Immigrations and Customs Enforcement if that agency had not kidnapped hundreds of children and intentionally lost the records around them and created these criminal prison camps on the border in violation of human rights. Like, So working for the government 
quote unquote, is one thing. Co-signing on massive public human mm-hmm. rights violations against children right. in plain sight, that's, a, that's not a neutral act anymore. That is an act of inhumanity. And you got to speak against that. We all have an oath to stand up for human rights, regardless of who's in the government and the fact that it's yeah, our own Yeah, and you, of course, saw the heat ray thing. This this idea, did you read it? This is this another tech thing. Um, they, they were doing some extreme immigration policies in the first four years to as a pitch, which is putting um, heat rays designed by the military to make, let me read this from the New York Times, designed by the military to make people. Please do. This afternoon, Please a separate oh. meeting with top leaders uh, suggested deploying a microwave weapon, a heat ray designed by the military to make people's skin feel as if it was burning when they got within range of oh, its yeah, invisible that. beams. It's like a dog fence or, you know, I can't even begin it's, to understand yeah. what it's called the active denial system. And, 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 and let me just say it was, had been largely developed by the military as a crowd dispersal tool two decades ago. The active denial system has been largely abandoned and made doubts over its effectiveness and morality. I mean, yeah, I, I did a show a long time ago for science channel called the future of, and I got hit with uh, one of these non-lethal mm-hmm. weapons as mm-hmm. they were called. It was a noise machine and my right. head hurt for right. half the day after that. And I, like, I, I doubled, there's footage somewhere of me mm-hmm. looking like I got punched because yeah. I just doubled over from this pain. The, the other challenge with this stuff, Kara, is who do these get tools get used against? When we say law and order, when we say law enforcement, it's being used right. against the least of us, the least wealthy, the least politically powerful. If we were going to take the the magic of Palantir and its ability to suck records in from all these different data sources, I would be more okay with it mm-hmm. if we mm-hmm. used it for dirty cops, right? Why don't we use those records? Why don't we use it to find the pedophile priests? You know, like there's another way to do this, but it turns out we're just handing the tools over to those who abuse power in the first place. And that's imbalance. A lot of these tools have been. There have been some amazing things that Google and others have done around uh, children and uh, pedophiles and things like that. Like a lot of these things, they can be, you know, I use the expression tools and weapons. And what's happened here is that a company like Palantir has weaponized uh, things. And the, and the Trump administration is willing to, to look into things like heat rays and, and things like that that have been discarded, you know, you know, has been discarded as, as immoral, uh, and, and are right up there saying, why not? Yeah. I I just, I think it's a good test of someone's intent, who they want to give this power to and who they want it to be used against. And if you're telling me that you're going to use a Palantir, like, you know, Lord of the Rings, Sauron orb to find tax dodging, to find corruption in the halls of great power, to find the cops who've been fired from three different departments but managed to get hired again so they can kill again, mm-hmm. then we can have a conversation. But if you're just going to use it on people who already have so little or protesters, which that heat rate thing mm-hmm. is probably going to be used on, then we got ourselves yeah. a problem. Well, you know, the problem is they all work both ways. And that's the question of who's deploying it. Like, you, you know, I always use the example of a knife. Like, look, a knife is cuts cuts all kinds of good food and things like that. And it also but pal- Palantir so. is, is not a knife. It is like an automated no. high-speed switchblade in the hands of a demon. You know, like that's not a mm-hmm. fair fight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Please buy our stock. Please, we're going public at a valuation of $20 billion. Um, yeah, just in terms all of right. the imbalance. Not that people, not that everyone uses it as a demon. I get it. 
But, you know, they, they're the ones who grounded it in Sauron. Like, I didn't do that. That was Peter Thiel. They were built. As, they were 100% <laughs> You leaned into so the So anyway, <laughs> uh, that company deserves a lot of scrutiny. I hope uh, investigative reporters who have written a lot about it will continue to do so. Okay, Baratunde, let's take a listener question. Uh, let's go to the tape. You've got, you've got, I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You, you, you've got mail. Hey, Kara and Baratunde. I loved your episode earlier in the week. My question relates to the media world. Next, our media group and WGN America are launching a primetime cable newscast next week. It starts on Tuesday. They're promising unbiased news in that time slot, which you don't find on the other cable channels. It's all opinion shows. The company's invested a lot of money. I'm very curious what your prediction is. Is there a lane for them, especially with CNN moving into opinion in recent years and such a divided time in American politics? This is this is an excellent question, Baratunde. Uh, let me give you my quick thought. Is mm-hmm. I I was I think the problem, and I agree, CNN has lost its narrative the same way. You know, I think MSNBC does a little better. But one of the things I keep thinking about: why not just have reporters there instead of all these pundits? That's what they've really moved into. Like it would be if there was a show where you actually had people who've done reporting talking about it. That would be so helpful to people, like it, you know, rather than these quick reductive takes. And it's one of the reasons I I seldom go on cable. I sell I I seldom do because it does it plays into a desire to say something quick and and dirty. Essentially, um, how do you look? I think there is room for this, but maybe I'm wrong at, at this point. Maybe we're all wrong. It's always mm-hmm. possible. I I just want to give this caller kudos for perfectly pronouncing Baratunde. Well done. I'm a big fan of you. Thank you so much for that. Um, I agree that what we you know, could use more of is actual journalism and less opinions about the journalism that the host has read mm-hmm. um, if we're going to try to create a new lane. I sadly don't think that this is going to be very successful. It's a mild prediction, but I think we are so pushed into corners and there's so much money um, encouraging us to have this quick reaction that this probably won't cater to a huge uh, and growing market. What I would love to see, and this is coming out of Chicago, which is interesting, is more local news. Mm-hmm. And what we need, I think, as a democracy is to fund local news. So if someone were going to be throwing money into the news business right now, I'd say support local newsrooms, local news gathering, and create a network of those that can feed up into something like this and maybe into a CNN and a Fox mm-hmm. News and an MSNBC, but we're missing that ground layer. And so that gives all the punditry even yeah, less I do, to I, it's hold It's really interesting because the idea of unbiased news and the, the executive behind it said, we're so sick and tired of polarization of news. News should not be polarizing. But, you know, you every bit of news, like here's the city, there are peaceful protests and there is some looting. And now it's either mobs or there's no you know, it's not that bad when like, it's just, it goes like, it, it, you can't even just say, this is what happened here in this small area. This happened, um, you know, look with the Sharpie and everything else, you can't, it, it, the idea of getting unbiased news, if it was ever unbiased, the way, let me just be clear. It was the ideas of, you know, a bunch of East side of New York for a long, long time. Let's, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not sure why they had it right necessarily. Um, I don't know if there's a, that, that there could, but I always think that if they just put on CNN, just the reporters, it would be, it's always better when you have just the reporters on it. It always is whenever I'm watching any of this stuff. I tend to agree with that. And I think there's a formula that's proven financially successful and 
small d democratically destructive, mm-hmm. which is just the, the quick reaction force of opinion mm-hmm. that, that the news has become on cable. I met someone who took a job with a major cable news operation uh, within the past two years mm-hmm. and uh, came from a local news background. I said, what are you going to do on camera? What's your show about? It's like, I'm just going to, it depends on what the president tweets. That mm. was that was this person's mm. legitimate response. Is I'm just going to react to the president's tweets. It's cheap mm-hmm. to do that financially. It is indeed. And it cheapens all of us to build a whole information ecosystem around that lack of depth. So I wish them well if the, what they're trying to do is provide a bit more depth. Uh, I think just saying unbiased that's also loaded terms, mm-hmm. and, and we'll just have to see what the product is they put well, out there. Well, now, you're a comedian, and obviously some of the smarter stuff of this sort of punditry does come from comedians, which mm-hmm. who actually ground a lot of their comedy in fact, right? Yeah, and so that, Minaj, John yeah. Oliver, yeah. Yeah, what, how do you look at that? Because that's where some my, – my kids, for example, I, they watch all those those uh, comedians, you know what I mean? And it's really interesting, and I find them rather better informed than most people, certainly than my mother. I think the the key difference with, if we just take two shows as an example, mm-hmm. there are so many people who've done this. John, <laughs> my good friend John, John Oliver, Hassan Minaj, they respect the audience. Mm-hmm. They, they assume that you're capable of handling big ideas, of listening for more than 30 seconds at a time, of processing complexity. And what I have found in my own journey in this business is there are a lot of executives who do not have that same faith in their audiences as some of these comedians do. Uh, and so they're able to pack more investigative journalism into a comedic monologue because mm-hmm. they try, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. opposed to pre-writing off a listener or a viewer or a reader saying, they'll never they'll never click on that. Mm-hmm. I know my readers. And maybe you don't. Maybe you're underestimating right. them. Um, and also being funny helps a lot. <laughs> you know? But I think before the funny beca- is, a, is a faith in people to be able to handle it. it when, so when you're doing, let me ask you about your own thing, how to citizen, you're not going yeah. to try to be like, satisfy the liberals or satisfy, you know, or anger uh, the conservatives. Well, how do you approach it? I'm not going out of my way to anger uh, anyone or satisfy anyone. Mm-hmm. I'm approaching this from um, the perspective of my own fatigue with news rage, mm-hmm. uh, with my own l- absence of an outlet to do something. I feel like there's so many of us who want to be involved and contribute yeah. to some kind of helping, but we're we're not being given much more than voting. And I think the act of citizening and being in a democracy comes down to so much more than mm-hmm. that. So it's almost like a like a course, like a practice where I'm trying to remember, what else can I do <laughs> to be a better citizen? And we're, we're doing it topically. So we, our first episode's all about love, mm-hmm. actually. Not expected. Right. And then power in the second episode. Valerie Cower, Eric Liu set us off. And then we're getting into COVID. Mm-hmm. And we, we talk about criminal justice and policing. But it's all about finding people who are doing something rather than academics who've just written something great or people who have opinions yeah, about Yeah, I things. think it's dangerous. Um, but yeah. everywhere and not just, you know, I think cable news, as much as I rail against social media, because let's, you know, sort of the inmates run the asylum essentially. Yeah. I do think cable, Fox News at the top, but all of them are responsible for sort of the cheapening and, 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 uh, downgrading of our mentality. It just is. It's just so, I can't watch it anymore in a lot of ways. There's only a few people I like, oddly enough, I watch um, as, as, as tarnished as he had become, but Brian Williams is actually an old style 
journalist kind of stuff. And so I tend to like watch him because it's like, at least you're getting perspectives. I don't feel like it's a, I'm not waiting for the hit uh, depending. Anyway, it's a really interesting time to launch a linear television service. We'll see how that goes. And if if the other consequence, and it's not just cable news, but if we think quickly about local news and the perception of crime in this mm-hmm. country. Independent of the data, Americans are terrified of crime, mm-hmm. even though we've hit recently 30-year lows. That's not just because Americans are a fearful people. Well, they are. It's because we've been sold a fearful narrative repeatedly, which has been profitable for certain media sure. outlets to sell repeatedly, that the criminals are coming right yeah. for you. Yeah. And they're not. And they haven't been. And, and so... That's a function of a broken news ecosystem, which breaks our democracy. So we got to we got to get better at it. I'm going to try to contribute Good. with our show a I'm little glad. bit, um, and and I'll mess up, but it's it's the it's the effort. That's the thing. It, it it's so true. It, it actually did start off with local news. I had a friend who wrote those teasers mm-hmm. for local news for his job, and he's. I was like, well, how do you do those? And he goes, all you have to do is like think of something scary, like killer bees. Could you be next? And yep. could you be next? It, is they always do, you know, like guns in toddlers and you know, weapons. Could you be next? You're like, is my baby like, gonna shoot? And it was me? Always, yeah. 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 Could you be next? Is was like, and that's how they did it. And then did that sort of voice, like, could I be next? Is a killer bee going to kill me? No, a killer bee's not gonna kill you. But it was that that was my could I was gonna write a book called Could You Be Next? Anyway. It's a good title. <laughs> you can still right. do it. No, I'm not going to. All right, Baron Tunde, one more quick break. We'll be back with predictions. You have to have a prediction okay. for us. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, Baratunde, you are in the hot seat. This is usually Scott's segment, uh, but I have faith in you. What do you predict we will see in tech, business, media, politics over the next few months or years or whatever you want? I think we're going to see at least three things. First, we are going to see more people who have served in this administration doing a patriotic thing and serving the Republic instead, uh, telling their stories and and standing for the flag, <laughs> truly, not just saying it, uh, and, sh- and testifying against this administration, against this president and its unconstitutional ways. And that will bring a little flutter to my heart that there is still some patriotism left in the deep sense, not just in the rhetorical sense. Um, I think we're going to see the internet and the rhetoric around this election get very, very ugly and I hate to predict that, but I know it's true. It's going to get bad. Um, and so I encourage all of us to brace ourselves to find whatever deep breathing we need to like power through this and to remember where the margin of this election is going to be decided and not distract ourselves energetically fighting bots online, even though I know, Karen, mm, that's one yes, of your favorite I have things to, stop. to do. Yeah. And, and I predict that we are going to grieve a lot more in the coming months due to continued assaults against our citizenry by those sworn to protect and serve us, due to those who would take weapons to a protest and use them to gun people down as Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha this week. And so I also encourage us to create some emotional space 
to grieve all that our country's going mm-hmm. through. We've lost nearly 200,000 to COVID. We're losing people constantly in our streets by those who are supposed to protect us. We have lost money and, and, and self-esteem and relationships. But this moment is painful. And I think what's been missing so much from our political environment is people speaking mm-hmm. to that pain, certainly from yeah. those in power right now. So I want to do that for a second and predict more pain is coming. Let's make space to grieve and love and try to heal through all of this trauma that, that is we're being forced into. That is a very important thing. It's a, it, it is a critical. People don't try to not do that and paper it over with all kinds of ways, whether it's, you know, drugs or drinking yeah. or just denial. It's really interesting. You know, I'm glad you said that because, I you know, one of the things I didn't bring up today was the, the, the comments that Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram made about this kid who shot people in uh, Kenosha um, celebrating him. You know, it was really kind of astonishing. But, you know, I thought I was going to say something that I'm like, you know what, they're just trash. I'm not going to do it. And, uh, you mm. know, let's just take out the trash. That's, that's, let's, that's how I felt. Let's clean up America. Let's clean that's up America. That's something we could get behind. That's a good slogan. <laughs> that right. could be, uh, take it out the trash. Swisher Thirst in 2020. Out. Let's clean up America. <laughs> take it out the trash. We got a broom. That was, you know, years ago, that was in D.C., Sharon Pratt Kelly, who was a very unsuccessful. I remember her. Yeah, I lived remember there at the broom? time. She wandered around with a broom all the time. And it sounded great, but then it, there was not a lot of good execution. Yeah. But it was a good idea to, to broom people out. So let's broom room them out. All right. I really appreciate you doing the show this week. You've been an excellent co-pilot. And I hope you'll come back. I I, hope you'll come back lots and lots. Eager to return. Um, Thank you for having me. The whole team's been great. The the audience uh, has been great. Uh, Mm -hmm. Your caller who said my name right has been great. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, if I could do a a quick plug for this show, what I've Mm -hmm. liked about it as I've listened to Pivot for years is that you recognize long ago that Tech isn't just about tech. That business isn't no. just about business. This is all about our culture, who we are as people, and it's about why that stuff matters. So, to your producers, to your researchers, to you and Scott, <laughs> well done. Because um, it's, it's one of my must listens. So it's been an honor Thank you to be a so part of so much. It. And yeah. you, well, you're you're you class up the joint rather significantly. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you so much. And please listen. When does your podcast debut? As we record, Kara, it is dropped mm-hmm. into the feeds. So if you're oh, listening now, right. you can subscribe, download, give me a good rating because some guy gave me a one star before even hearing it oh, and acknowledged it like a trolley troll. It's called How to Citizen with Baratunde. Uh, you can yeah. find it online with howtocitizen.com. And we're encouraging actions. That's the other great thing about this show that I'm excited about. Good. So all that stuff's um, available in the cloud, as I like to say. Cool. Fantastic. <laughs> it's from iHeartRadio. It's called How to Citizen. Uh, and it will be, it's dropping now. So go on there and give him, give, battle the one star guy. Yes, How to I've Citizen had, with Baratunde. Uh, Five stars. Woohoo! Out of those one stars. They don't like women who speak up. Anyway, uh, I don't look, I don't look at them. It's funny that you look at them. I don't look at them at well, all. I, it was literally, it's the only review. So everyone being <laughs> introduced go, to I'm the show. I'm going to go attack the one star. Is, is one I'll star get off of Twitter and I'll go attack one star. Okay? I yeah. promise. Okay. <laughs> Get him, All right. Kara. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. You've been a great co host. Thanks for watching. Thank you me. so much. I appreciate it. Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sananes. Fernanda Finete engineered this episode. Eric Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks again to Baratunde Thurston for co hosting with me this week. And please listen to his new podcast, which has dropped How to Citizen with Baratunde. Make sure you subscribe to that show and this one on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're an Android user, check them out on Spotify or frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked our show, please recommend it to a friend. 
Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week with the epic return of Professor Scott Galloway, co-hosting our breakdown of all things tech and business. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.